back in action. Once again, Reinforced Running Podcast, the quarter century episode. I recorded this um, a bunch of times, said the half century episode. That's that's not the case. It is a quarter century. But either way, it's an anniversary episode. So John and I sat down and kicked it like the old days. And in this episode, we bring you straight up content about how to work on your weaknesses when it comes to the off-season training. And we also answered some listener questions, which was super fun and exciting. So uh, we start off by filling you in on ways to identify some of your limiters as a runner and why you need to get out of your comfort zone to take those next steps in training. The off-season is a perfect time to do that because because you're not held by the constraints of an upcoming race. So it gives you, so we give you a few strategies on how to find the things that are holding you back and what you can do to really improve on your running in those off seasons. Uh, we touch on some tips and tricks when it comes, when from our experience as coaches and athletes for how to push past mental blocks when it comes to those late miles in a marathon or really for any hard workout or any uh, race at all, really for that matter. Um, then John explains the difference between a Facebook post and a Facebook story. It's riveting. Um, we do get cut off by some technical difficulty, not once, but twice. So expect that around the 40 minute mark. And again, around 60 minute mark, uh, the operation we run here, it's okay. Uh, we have some stuff, we have some gadgets. Uh, we don't have a ton of stuff and gadgets, just, just some. So, um, and then we talk about how to work in group high intensity interval training classes, uh, including CrossFit into your training and why you should do that and also why you should not do that. Then we talk about how to combat some of the effects of overtraining, how to take all other factors outside of training into consideration uh, to see the whole picture when it comes to how you're feeling late in those late stages of training. And then we talk about how to properly structure speed work into your training plan so that you do get faster. And before we get to it, I'd love for you to rate and review, subscribe, to all the latest reinforced running podcasts so that they drop into wherever you get your podcast. We are on them all, unless there are some new ones that I don't know about, but I'll find out. Uh, and also hit the link in the show notes to learn more about our premium one-on-one coaching for the runner and the obstacle course racer so that you can perform your best during your next race. And that's it. One, two, three, do it. Welcome to the Reinforced Running Podcast. My name is Rich Ryan here, as usual, with John Williams. John, what's popping? What's up, Rich? Hello, everyone. Um, so we were talking, having a riveting conversation about the weather, like normal, because we live in different areas, so we talk about the weather. Um, you were just telling me about this weather app that like syncs to your Strava. Like, what is it? I started scrolling through the, uh, you know, like my, my the whatever you call it, the wall, the page, you know, Strava. Oh. And I started noticing like feed, the, it's called your feed. feed, the feed. Yeah. Sorry. I was like, and the wall. the wall, your feed, <laughs> it could be the wall. Um, and then I started noticing some people had this real detailed information about the weather. And I'm like, what is that? It just seemed really, really detailed. Like someone had, had mentioned to me once I put it, put it on mine, my account, but you basically connect this to app free app to your, to your Strava account and puts all the detailed information of the weather of uh, obviously during that workout, um, the, the temperature, the, the, the humidity, the, the real field temperature. And I, I, I don't know if it, it amazed me more because it's just really hot down here and it's getting cooler up there and, and just kind of seeing that part of it. I also think that I wanted people to see that if I went out and I ran, did a run, 
that maybe wasn't super impressive, they <laughs> might see that the real field was 95 and they might be like, all right. That's why I thought you had it up there. I, was, I, I thought can, you just were like, oh, I this one just... sucked. I need to explain to the people why this run sucked. Yeah. <laughs> like it was both ways. So like that, that seems like a cool thing to have. Like, is it, so the way I'm thinking of it is that you can then take the data from the runs that you completed while the, from Strava and like kind of look back and kind of predict what it might feel like on race day. Or how do you think that would help uh, like someone's training or someone's racing? Well, I, so I actually still write stuff down. So I have, I keep a journal. Like I keep with like a, a, with like a pen. Yeah. Like I still oh. have like my, my, the running journals. I just got them old school like that. So, nice. but I think having that data and like looking back on something and you might not remember, especially if it's, a, a loop that you do all the time and you, it's like your benchmark loop. I'm sure, I'm sure you have them or some people have them. Um, or a benchmark PA. workout. Yeah. On Ottoman PA with a, with a, with a, what was the extension called? <laughs> Dub Lake. No, not Dub Lake. That was uh, Buddha. Oh, uh, La- I forget what it was called. <laughs> there, was, there was a house. There was a house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, uh, anyway. Oh, what's it called? Um, so just knowing what the, what the, the situation was, um, not just, from the weather, but like maybe you had a good, you had a bad workout because you didn't get a lot of sleep the night before, or just knowing some of the details around the workout and, and I guess your excuses. <laughs> if you right. But um, like it, it could also just kind of let you know what to expect on a day that might be similar to that. Yeah. Well, I wish Strava was a little more, if, if Strava was a little bit more like diary oriented, like you go in and kind of bring everything up. It's, 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 it is what it is, but I think training peaks is good like that. There is a place you can put the notes, but if you could just have every like the notes kind of lined up or just something you could go back and kind of look at everything um, side by side a little bit more or tag a certain workout that you could then tag against um, this, a similar, uh, the same workout later on. So you could then kind of like look at them overlapped with each other and see how you did. Um, I think a lot of technology is going to start moving that way because everything is not kind of connected, right? Mm-hmm. Like everything goes in the Garmin Connect. It goes into like right now, and my, my Garmin Connect kind of pushes it out to like three or four different everything. spots. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I thought that that was a cool way for them. It's climate with a K, K L I M A T for your Strava uh, users out there and geeky people. You just go to their, their go to their site and you, and you can it, you log in through their site and then it connects it. Um, and uh, yeah, so you can let people know what uh, what type of weather you're running in. Yeah, and, and I mean that stuff can only help uh, in like how much data you're going to be able to get, and, and like you can even like kind of tie that to like how you fueled, right? Like if Strava was, you could take the the notes of it and be like, okay, this today I, I drank sixteen ounces of water with X Y Z supplement in it, um, and felt this way, and it was this temperature. So like I, I see the value for sure. And you might not know what the temperature, what, where the, the humidity was. And that, especially when it's cooler, and that is going to have an effect on your performance. A heart rate, so like, whole yeah, deal, like yeah. Things. So you just be like, oh, well, it was cool. But then you get you get back to your Strava and you see that the humidity was 85%. You're like, oh, okay. Like that's going to, it might not affect you as much as it would if it was 90 degrees and 85% humidity, but it's still going to be a factor. So yeah, and now that the weather is getting a little cooler it's, it's the fall so a lot of like the big time races are, are coming up we, we've talked about new york uh, we had um jonathan kane on here to talk about that and, uh, a couple more of the races in the northeast are about to go off um 
I think Philadelphia is like kind of the last one in the Northeast area that has a marathon yeah. and that's like the weekend yeah. before Thanksgiving. Um, so most of the country is kind of, their season's kind of coming to an end. And uh, on the OCR circuit, most of the championship races have happened already. There's one more race this weekend. Do they do a 24 hour race in Sweden? It looks unbelievably cold. It looks like, like they're, they're showing yeah. it and like, it's we'll just like, there, right? well, it just depends on where in the country it is, but yeah. It's just like snow squalls. It looks like it's like snow everywhere. It's like below freezing. Um, hmm. I got a guy going out there and like they said, they, they gave him like a list of things to wear and like they won't let they like there's like waterproof, windproof pants, jacket. They need you to have all this stuff. Um, so it looks terrible, but that's the last real championship race. So <clears throat> So for most of us, like the seasons are coming to an end and we really wanted to pop on here to kind of talk about what are the next steps because, um, there's a couple of different thoughts and, and, and ways to kind of approach the off season and it's really important and like, you, and need and having a plan going into an off season can really set up the, the previous, the, the, the following year in either a positive or negative. So, um, sure. we really want to talk uh, and like kind of talk about some of the limiters and, and ways to address those things and, uh, how to approach your off season. So um, what, what are your thoughts on that? Like when we come into like a race, like say you do, say you did um, New York this past weekend, like what are the first things you would do after a, a, an A race, a goal race? Well, well, I wasn't really going to go down this road, but like, but you really want to need to recover. I think one of the biggest mistakes people make is they get back into it too quickly. That could be almost a whole nother podcast in and of itself. You want to, you want to, rest uh the, you're tempted because you have this really great fitness from a race because you did all this train to, training to get back into it quickly because you're like i don't want to lose this fitness you're not going to lose it as fast as you think you will and on the other hand you your body will um will need that recovery time so i, I think that recovering mentally and physically is going to be important uh, everybody is going to be different depending on how long you've been doing it um but yeah i mean recover recover but then also mentally, one of two things is going to happen, right? You're going you're gonna to finish your race and you're either going to, A, you're going to hang up your shoes and not do anything for a really long time. Um, do you hang your shoes or do you just like, put them? <laughs> I, I have never hung them, but I, and I guess a lot of people did at one point because that, that, I think that is, is, is a saying. I had some um, old school track spikes, my high school track spikes. I yeah. hung them in my, in my college I could never hang them because they were always I ran I like the race without socks. So I think that that no, yeah, you translate into an indoor type of no, no. thing. <laughs> so um, you could either hang up hang hang up or place your shoes in the closet or and not do anything for a while. Um or you just you just fall back into this 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 rhythm of the things that you like to do that we that we talk about, whether it mm. be like let's say if you just like the run, you just start the run. You know, you go out and do your mileage. Um, um, if you're really into CrossFit, you get you 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 fall back more into the CrossFit. And and what this is is these are the things you like, and there's those are typically probably going to be strengths of yours. And and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, if it depends on you know we have to tie this into some sort of goal. But if your goal is to get faster, there are going to be some of these things that maybe you're not going to do in the off season. Um, that may be, maybe limit you because either a, you don't like doing them or you just don't do them. Um, and those are the things I kind of wanted to, to kind of hone in on here for, for a little bit. 
hundred percent. And like, yeah, the recovery piece, it is some, a whole thing we could kind of go down the other, the other side. And, um, but yeah, we want to make sure that people are growing and, and knowing what areas and aspects to explore to help them grow for the next season. So we've kind of broken it down to, into a couple of categories here, things like running, obviously, and the different aspects of running that you can work on that will help you grow and, and get more prepared for the, the following season. Um, some strength training and some, then some um, nutrition aspects, all things that you can work on without the pressure of a race coming up that you can really kind of expand on and, and learn a little bit. So um, when it comes to like the running itself, like with like, how would you identify some of these limiters? Like how, like if I'm, if I finish my marathon, I'm like, okay, like that was great ish. Like, I, I think I can improve. Like, what are some steps that you would take to, to figure out what, what you need to work on? I think in most cases you probably know what they are. You probably know there's a handful of things that you know that you could be doing more of that you're not doing. And again, it may go back to because you just don't like doing them um, or it's just it's there's some sort of restraint, whether it's time. Um, <clears throat> now you have that time back and you have this window. And, and just to go back onto your point as to not having the pressure of a race, that that's all that, that's a beautiful thing right now. We can we can shift our focus from running a fast marathon to doing this thing better that will then translate into the even faster marathon. Um, and we'll kind of bring that all kind of back to, to that, those final goals. But, um, you know, I think that you, you want to, you want to be able to identify what those things are. So I would first look at like, okay, if you have, if you've been running for a long time, it's a little bit easier because you can say, oh, well, I'm running a pretty good marathon, but you know, my 5k time is not all that great, um, relative to my, to my marathon time. So maybe that's something that you want to look at, right? You might look at it and say, "Hey, if if I if I could imp- improve my five k time, um, my leg speed and my turnover is going to translate into faster, um, easy running. Mm. So it's not just like it. You know, you don't just get faster when you're running fast. Your overall speed should come up. Right. right? That's like economy, right? Like making yeah, yeah. like yeah. everything so becomes you, a little bit easier. Yeah, yeah. So if, you're, if your mile PR get, gets faster, you're going to be you're easy at, let's say five is your easy effort. Like if one through is 10 is as fast as you could possibly go. One is sitting on the couch. Um, you know, if, if you're running, let's say you go out and you run, truly run five. And, and on that day you're running eight minutes a mile. And then, you know, your, and your 5k time is 18 minutes, just using round numbers. If we get your, your 5k time down to 17 minutes and you come back and you hit that five effort, you should be running 7:30 at that same effort, and that's going to then translate into it has to, you know, at the same effort over your marathon time as a faster time. And I think that's one of the biggest things. As a side note, biggest mistakes that marathoners will make is they just they're just going to now. All right, well, when's the next marathon? And but their goal is to get faster, and they're not looking at like a limiter like that. That's a huge one. And from a marathoner's perspective, like coming, like there's, it's almost like twofold, like come, like improving someone one's 5k, like doesn't seem like a big challenge. Like a 5k is just a short distance. And it's also incredibly uncomfortable. It is really, really hard to go from a really long race to come back down short race to something that might not be as satisfying as a marathon. And also, uh, in my opinion, more painful. So like people will, and, and that kind of goes along those lines. Like, is this something you 
need to do and you will do? Or will you make excuses and just kind of go back to running longer runs? So um, how, how would you, so you mentioned like noticing, like there's different like calculators, right? They will help your performance. Like if you ran whatever, four hour marathon, like you can plug that into some sort of like chart and it will give you your, your 5k equivalent. Yeah. Um, I found those to be pretty accurate, right? They're, like they're a pretty good judge. Yeah. Um, there's a, there's an app that's really good with that. We may have talked about this before the, the, the V, the V dot. Mm-hmm. There's a free app you can get. It's just a calculator. Um, and it uses Jack Daniels, which in my opinion is by far the best. They're the best, um, formulas that are out there and you could plug in let's say you plug in like a three hour marathon it's going to give you the equivalent 5k time now granted it's it assumes you're doing they're doing the proper training for that so like it doesn't really i, I just run a three hour marathon it was funny for instance they, they say they put um uh ek's uh Ily, Ilya, Kipchoge, kipchoge yeah. kipchoge's um 159 into v dot and it came back. The his equivalent mile time would have been like would have been like three 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 thirty three or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and so it's like it's granted like at that like you're properly training for that event as hard as you possibly could, and you might not be able to actually necessarily get fully to that point. Um, but it does give you like that really really nice, and it's all based off of numbers and science. So like it does give you a nice sweeping idea. And obviously, the the closer you get to the to the to the races you do, the more accurate it's going to be. For instance, like I'll most of the time use a half marathon to a marathon. I'll use the half marathon to a marathon almost all the time uh, in that app, and mm-hmm. it'll give you kind of an idea of of you know what you know if you because you can race if if you race the half marathon, we can get, really kind of hone in on like okay, you you did this about a month ago. Like we're probably going to give us an idea of what the marathon should look like given the training that we've done. Yeah. So during training, it's a really good tool to kind of measure progress. And so for example, like if you did run a four hour marathon, like I just kind of punched it in just now, it would then say your 5k PR should be around like 25, 15. So one, if that's not your PR, uh, if your PR is much slower, you know that there's some, um, like a little bit of room to improve, or you can go out and kind of test that. And that's, what's nice about having these shorter runs. Cause they're not going to beat you up as bad. So say you run in four hours, you take some rest, you come back and then you run like 27 minutes right there. That's a way you can identify. You might need to work on some speed turnover because your strength and endurance basis is, seems to be much more developed than like your leg turnover. Yeah. Um, and then like how, and, and, how could you measure it the opposite way? Like, how would you know if endurance wise, you might not be, it's a lot hard. It's a lot harder to do for the reasons you just, you really just pointed out because you can't just go out and run a marathon or you may have never run one. Um, and obviously a half marathon even is easier, but still not as, um, so there's other, other indicators you, you could see sometimes looking at heart rate and, and recovery and, you know, in that the endurance portion is there are going to be other indicators that maybe aren't as um readily available depending on like the watch you have or um you know but recovery times and how quickly your your heart rate's going to recover your um your um resting heart rate mm-hmm. and certain things that you can kind of that are just rules of thumb too because you, i've seen people who have really really like fairly 
really, really low resting heart rates, but they're not all that great of an endurance athlete. So, um, yeah, it's not apples to apples. It's yeah. not like a, a straight translation. So it is, it is a little bit harder, you know, um, but a lot of times it just comes from like what you've done. Cause endurance is one of those things where like you've either done it or you haven't, you know? Um, so the, the, you look at the, the past year and, and if you haven't had like a nice stretch of, you know, six months where you just pound the endurance, um, that's something you can do and then try and see if you see the improvement. It's never going to hurt. Um, if you do it in a controlled way, mm. um, I, let me, let me take that back. You, you don't want to do so much that it could hurt, but you know, I think that that that's a whole another conversation. I think if you just have to in- increase your volume in a, in a responsible and smart way, I mean, I guess is what I'm saying, but yeah, you know, I think that if you haven't done it and tr- or tried it, then, you know, it's something to, to experiment with. Um, and like the 5k, like that, that's not going to hurt. It's not going to, in, in most cases, both are going to help in, in some way, whether or not you're, and even if you're, you have your, a strong endurance base, um, doing more endurance, again, this is not going to hurt you. It just might not help you as much as, um, putting in the time to try and increase your speed and in, in your economy. Um, yeah. And, and so this kind of comes down to not as much as like a quantitative thing. Like we, we talked about the, the speed and the translation between the times, but this might just be as simple. Like, have you tried it? No, you haven't tried doing more miles. Okay. Like let's try more miles. Let's see how you respond to that. Right. Like, and, and just doing kind of like the opposite of what you had previously done, yeah. um, which is kind of a scary route to go down. Cause especially if you're um, coming off of a good race and you know, something works uh, being like, okay, well mate, like I know I run well at like 40 miles a week. Like, why do I need to do 60? Um, and it's a matter of just trying to like figure it out and, 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 and seeing what you are capable of and seeing where that ceiling is. Um, and that's another question I do get asked quite a bit is like, what, how many miles am I going to have to run to do a good marathon? Um, and it, it's one of those that there is no answer. Like if there was like, it would be just like, like you run 70 miles a week. And once you get there, you'll run a good marathon. And, and that's just not the case. Um, so how do you go about finding like, the volume that a person can handle and like how they should kind of explore this like endurance aerobic base and and strength part of their training. Yeah. Typically when I get that question, it's usually the wrong question. Um, And what I mean by that is, is that you're, if you're asking that, that means you probably haven't been running very long for a very long time or, or, um, and there's nothing wrong with that. I just mean that you're probably looking at something else saying, wow, I should probably be running more or could I be running more? Or there's something that there's another, another problem or thought in your mind that's leading you to ask that question. Yeah. Yeah. To, um, me, to me, it's almost like, like a commitment thing. They're like, uh, I can only get about 30 miles in a week. Am I going to have to run 60? It's like, well, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and the other, the second part of that is, is how long are you committed to doing this? So, you know, if you're only running 30 now, could you, will you be better at marathoning by running 60? Absolutely. <laughs> there's wow. no, I yes. mean, there's, but we have to get you there in the right way. Like, and you're not going to wake up tomorrow and just start running 60. Um, so, you know, if you come to me and you only have, you, you're one of these bucket listers and you, you say, I have 16 weeks, let's do this. And you say, all right, well, what's the longest mileage you've put in in a week? Uh, 20. And then they say, well, and I want to get up to 75 to run this marathon. It just, there's certain things that just don't, it's not going to work in, right. in a way. It's not going to be smart. You could try it. 
um, chances and but the chances of success are going to be pretty low just because if it doesn't if it if it's not part so it's it's not just how much you're doing it's a how long you want to be doing it for and I think that's one of the things people get caught up for is like okay um, you know I need to get up to a certain amount or okay well we get you up to seventy then what you know you run one week of seventy next week are you ready for the marathon? Absolutely right. not. Right. You know, like I'd rather, so like, let's, let's sit down and put together a year and be like, all right, in this first three months, I'm, we're going to, like, I'll give you an example. I get all the time. I get people like, they'll ask me, that'll be part of the question. Um, but they'll say, they'll come to me and say, Hey, I want to train for this marathon. So-and-so did so well, like the other day and they followed this plan. And I'm like, well, yeah, they followed that for 16, 20 weeks. But what do they do for the year, the, the weeks leading up to that? That's a good point. Um, you know, and like what was – so it's not just the plan. It's like what – it's – I really – like you really have to look at marathoning especially, you know, as a long-term type of type of a plan. So if someone comes to me and says, oh, well, there's Hal Higdon, there's the Hansons, there's – you know, what should I be doing? I say, you know, really comes down to planning and really – thinking more long-term as like how many weeks you want to put into this um, and how much volume one you want to do. Cause then that gives you, if we're, if we're at like 10 miles and we have a full year to get up to 70, that's totally doable. Yeah, know? for sure. Um, but if we have, if we have 16 weeks, you know, you're going to run into all kinds of other problems. So. Um, and, and, yeah. and this kind of brings us to our, our, our bigger point, right? Like, is that, once you complete that training cycle, you complete that race. That's awesome. And if you do want to continue to improve and get better, like it is a continuous cycle. It doesn't happen 16, 20 weeks at a time. It happens month over month, year over year. And it, and that's your best chance to give you yourself time to work on these things that you might need to explore, whether that's mileage or speed. You know, Tony Robbins has this saying um, that I love you, you over at you, what how does it start out? It says you under you overestimate what you can do in a year, and you under greatly underestimate what you can do in ten. And we just as humans, we just think that way, right? And I'm perf- I'm guilty of it. You just think, oh man, I have like these four weeks. I want four months, and I want to put together like this awesome training plan, and I'm going to crush it. Well, you know that's putting a lot of pressure on yourself. One and like there's there's only so much fitness you can build, and your body you can, your body is it's breaking down and it's building up, breaking down, building up. It needs time to do that. So I think some that's the number one thing I'll tell people. Um, you know, just 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 give yourself more time and really really grind it out, as a, especially with running. Yeah, that's funny. You 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 give me some Tony Robbins. I'll give you a quote from The Rock. <laughs> Someone, someone asked, I was like, oh, how, what, what was like your secret? What'd you do? He's like, no, it was easy. I just worked out every day for six hours a day for 20 years. And uh, there you go. That's all I got to do. Yeah. Which is true. It's complicated, but very, but simple at the same time. Yeah. You know? so, and some of these great runners, it's just the same way too. Like, you, you know, I saw a picture of Kipchoge the other day. He was like out kicking. I forget who it was. I think it was um, Gabriel Salazi or whatever. He was, that was like 10 years. Like it was. These guys have been at it every day, every day for, for all this time. Even some of the guys like Chris Namoli who was on here, you know, he's crushing it now, but he, he's been like, you know, it's been good solid four years of consistent training that, you know, you just get behind you. Yeah. Just cause, just cause you're, you, you learned Kipchoge's name two months ago. doesn't mean he's like new on the scene. Yeah. <laughs> no, he, just, he just like popped onto the scene. Like, Damn. See, I got ran up too. That's crazy. I didn't even know you could do that. It's like, yeah. Um, 
Well, cool. And that, and that really is, is the name of the game, right? And like giving yourself more of an opportunity to have more time to spend running, more time to do speed work. Um, and, it will, and we'll just lead you into into a better uh, like fitness when it does come time to be race specific with those um, 12 to 16 weeks. Um, so you, would you say that's like a good kind of way to approach it is like use the, the time between like training cycles? Like, would you still recommend someone has a sick like they like you mentioned, oh, they used whatever Hanson's and got great results, like using the time between your marathons and then having like 20 to 16 to 20 weeks of marathon specific, or how do you like, what do you think about that? It's like a good chunk of time. I mean, I think 20, 20 weeks would include some, some base training for like a month, probably. Um, assuming you had that and you've been running, I think 16 weeks is a good place to start. 16 weeks is not from the couch. Right. Um, you know, so I think right, that yeah. that's uh, another, again, it just goes, it just goes back to what have you been doing over the last year, month? Like there's people I know that are going to run a marathon. Um, one specific friend I'm helping out, he's completely capable of running a sub three hour marathon, but he just kind of got back into it and he's doing a 20 week cycle really. Um, right. and he'll, he'll run probably in, in the three twenties. Um, but you know, it's not, you know, you just, it, it'd be up to him to, you know, finish this marathon and, and decide whether he wants to keep going. And, you know, and up to me as a coach to convince him, Hey, look, if you keep going, the next race is like Boston is on the table. He might say, Hey, I'm so busy and my kids and I just don't want to do that again. And that's fine. You know, I think that's perfectly fine. Um, but I think having like that idea and that mindset and just knowing that, that, you know, don't get to the finish line, especially if you're, if you're just getting into it and don't, don't underestimate how kind of goes into like the goal part of it. Don't underestimate how much you could probably do, um, in the long run if you, if you stuck with it. For sure. And, and that's something that to keep in mind, like you said, it's, it is the, they are the wrong questions. If you're like, how long is it going to take for me to BQ? Um, that's unanswerable, um, more than 20 yeah. weeks. And, uh, yeah it's just going to be about what, like how committed are you going to be to this? How are you going to prioritize it? If you can do 20 weeks of time, that's great. But if you can do 52 weeks, um, that's a a little bit better. Not saying you have to run every day all year, but like the more you can prioritize your running, like it's, it's cliche, but the best way to get better at running is by running. And that that's whether that's within some sort of race specific cycle. I've actually talked people out of training because I, I started, you start to see them like struggling and, and just like, you just say, dude, what's up? But it, do you really want to be, you know, if, is there something in, some people get caught up in like, I have to do a marathon, like it's on their bucket list or like, oh, I have to do this. There has to be more to it than, than that, than just, just the, like, I want to, I want to do this, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And you have to have a little bit of fun doing it. Right. <laughs> right. Just, like be miserable doing it. And, and, and yeah, I'm like so far removed from that. I was thinking about that the other day, like people who like change their priorities of how they work out like for 20 weeks. And then they just like, okay, I'm just going to go back to the gym now. That's like so far out of my like comprehension that someone isn't just working toward one specific thing for like every day all the time. Yeah. Like, oh, you, you like do different stuff than just train to, to run fast. Um, and it occurred to me that that was, that was important. I would have people come to me and say, Hey, look, this is what I do now. And I, I, I cannot give up my hit classes or I cannot give up my orange theory or I can, I just love it. And I, it's so important that, that 
that you know that and you understand that and you and you you work around that because on the other hand if someone comes to me and says hey look uh and we're back yes hello a little bit don't you i i i always laugh um well a lot of times these podcasts they'll have like uh um like actual sponsors and they'll, they'll take a break in the middle. They'll, they'll say what's up to their sponsors, but even to have like a podcast that will just like say that it's brought to you by like the website that their podcast is on. So it'd be like reinforced running podcast brought to you exclusively by reinforced running.com. It's like, that's not a sponsor. That's just like, you can't bring it, bring yourself to it. Yeah. That's not, yeah, yeah. I'm bringing myself to you uh, and I'm going to make it sound like that's something that, you didn't already know. Um, no, but we got cut off. Um, so, but we're back in action. I've been thinking lately, like, sh- like, is it better to plug your computer in with like an ethernet cord, like to go directly from the yeah, source? Like I probably, can't. right. I have one of these really thin apples, although maybe, maybe there's a way that I could get some sort of thingamabob. Like an, crisp. Um, like an external that like defeats the purpose. Well, so yeah. So like right now there's only one connect, like one way to plug like it's like this, this special plug. So anything you plug into it, it's the power cord, but anything you plug into it, you have to have an adapter for this special. It's kind of a pain in the ass, but it, it's a nice. One. Um, so, anyway. yeah. So on top of being like experts on endurance and running, we are also experts on tech and oh, we're recording. Um, oh, we're recording. And, uh, and, and in, in, in a future episode, we're going to have, John Williams explained to us the newest trends in social media, and it's just going to be, it's going to blow your mind. You're going to love it. Now, don't even try to make this about like a, a generational thing. It's, uh, I, don't, I don't, I don't buy that for a second. I'm not there it's, yet. It's easy. It's easy to, to dump on the millennials. And then when the Gen Xers need to social media, um, well, on, I'm going to start going Facebook hard stories. Come on, I'm going, I'm, come on. I'm going to start going hard on Gen X when it comes to social media. You guys are just, you're too much. Just chill out on social media. The, the stories is where it's, I just I, I it loses me. It's too much. Um, so we have a couple of questions coming in uh, from some of the listeners. So we do want to address that with the last half of the pod today uh, that, that are along the same lines as off season training or what, what you can do. And but at the same time, there are some big races left. So uh, the first question coming in is from number one listener Don, who is going to smash the Philadelphia Marathon uh, coming up in a couple of weeks. I'm pretty fired up. So, um, but a question is is one that we all can relate to. It's like, how can I be mentally tough in those last miles uh, in the marathon? So. This, I wish there was an answer that you could be like, do X, Y, Z, and that will make you tougher. But it, it's different for each person, right, John? Like, what kind of things do you think about um, when it comes to, like, mental toughness? It really it really is because when you're at the end of a marathon, everything is just breaking down, and you're just – there's two ways you can go. You could you can give up or you can keep pushing, right? So it, it is, a, is a really good question. Um, I don't think – there's little things like you say, like, like the cadence, I don't know, maybe I don't, I think it's more like at that point, it's just a, it's a mental game. It's like one foot in front of the other. Um, mm-hmm. couple of things I like to look at. One is don't think about it as let's say, it, like, let's say it starts to get really hard at mile 20. Don't think about the fact that you have six miles to go. Cause at that point, what you're saying to yourself is like, I don't think I can go this six miles. Okay. And what you need to realize is you can, but don't tell yourself you can because that's just lame. It's not going to work. What you need to realize is, is that you can, 
but you need to convince yourself that you, that, that, that you can. And the, one of the best ways to do that is don't think about six. Just think about two. You should be like, all right, I don't think I can make it six, but I know I can make it two. You know? And then just get to 22. And then, re-evalu- then you reevaluate. Because what's going to happen is every mile that goes by, you're going to see you're, the, 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 the finish line is going to get closer and closer. Okay. And, and that's important because the second you can sniff, have you ever been in a race and you're like, Oh, I'm dying. I'm dying. And then you can see the finish line. And you're like, all of a sudden you're like, Oh, like <laughs> your hair's on fire no and, and, and you just finish really hard. Like it's there. It's just like, you're, you're mentally telling yourself you can't push through this pain. So I, I like to get, get yourself, just keep yourself moving, you know? And I think that, that just from a, from a compartmental, I mean, even just the entire marathon, I like to think of it. Like, don't think about the entire race. Like, think about it in 10Ks. Like, get through the first 10K. Think about, like, you have a goal for that 10K, right? And then the next 10K, and then the next 10K. Um, it just makes it a little mentally easier for you to, like, like digest and wrap your head around. Um, the second part of it is, is, like, have something. Many of us are doing the marathon for reasons above and beyond just being able to say you can do it. Maybe not all of us. But, you know, and maybe it's, it's something that motivated you to get into the sport. Maybe it's, you, you know, you, you have two kids at home and you want them to be able to look up to you in some way and, and you want to be, be able to show them the hard work pays off. Or maybe you have a, maybe you're a, 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 someone close to you passed away from cancer recently. Um, and then, and then write, I, like write them on your arm or something or write them, you know, just as a reminder that, that you know when it gets hard and it's going to get hard that you can look down and kind of try to find that strength that'll, that'll basically override some of these feelings that you're having, because it does happen. If you, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where like adrenaline kind of starts to like, there's this like pain, but like you, you, you think of something or you feel like something just for whatever reason, just it, it doesn't block out the pain, but it, but it just, it gives you this like warm kind of comforting kind of a feeling. Yeah. It changes um, the focus. Yeah. And and those are the two things that I I like to tell people um, when it comes to the, especially the end of a marathon or just the end of a hard race even. Yeah, and I love the why, right? Like the why behind things and having that that special thing that you can like think back on that does give you a different feeling than just pain and like suffering, uh, especially in those last miles. And, and so you can think about anything else that's not that. Um, one thing you just kind of dumped on that I do like is like having like a positive mantra, um, whether that is something like I like I can do it or whatever. Um, it's the same type of thing. It's just replacing the negative thought to me like is because that's essentially what you're what you're doing. Like you're combating this voice that keeps creeping in that is trying to help you. This voice that comes in is telling you to stop thinks you're in danger because you're doing something that is out of the ordinary. So like you have these signals like pain and like these foot and like this, this mental block that wants you to stop because it think it doesn't know that you're running to, to get a medal at the, at the end of a race. Right. It, it thinks that yeah. like, something is wrong. So like having anything to re- replace those thoughts does help. Um, so like I have like a variety of those. I have a couple of, of mantras that I'll tell myself is that during the race, just kind of continually being like, okay, like in just real short, real easy. Like, okay. I say like, this is easy. You're doing great. Like this isn't even hard. Like just stuff like that. Like that is just like almost like dismissive of the race itself. Yeah. Um, and there's one actual one tip that I, I, I do like is 
when things are really kind of going off the rails is, um, I don't know where I picked this up. It's ne- it's not an original, but it was um, like saying positive things, but in the voices of loved ones. Like, so hearing your your spouse or significant other, your parents say, like giving you encouragement in your mind and just like repeating those things, but hearing it through their voices in your mind um, really helps. Yeah. <laughs> and like, that's, that's something that uh, I, I've leaned on quite a bit in like some really hard races. Um, so just having those things and it could be anything. It's like, Hey, way to go. You're doing great. And just hearing it from their voices is, are just like some, some little tips, a little See, to me. So. That's, that's different to me in the sense that you, you probably don't, you didn't introduce that into the end of the, the race. Um, and, and I think that that's part of something that you practice. You mm-hmm. know? And I think that's, you probably do it in your training all the time. And you're probably, you know, I saw you do like some, some stupid 24 mile, like over the trails run the other day. I'm sure that came oh, yeah. up a few times. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I think that's also part of it too, is, is like just going back into the preparation part of it is, 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 is practicing those things. And also, you know, to, to piggyback off of that, uh, of the preparation and, and, and those things is, is visualizing yourself doing it before you do it is mm. another thing that I do a lot of. Um, cause if you can't visualize yourself doing it, you're not, you're not going to be able to do it. And you have to, you have to, you have to do that. I think, I think it's important that you, you visualize yourself doing what you want to do and what you want to accomplish and, and just visualize it over and over again while you're running and, and, and think of the feeling you'll get when you actually do it over and over again. And I just think it, it visualizing those, those accomplishments, um, over and over again and practicing it. Um, I mean, I guess it could go hand in hand with, with what you're kind of talking about and not really, but, um, yeah, no, for sure. Because like you have to think of something before you can actually do it. And like, I think that comes if we're getting like way woo woo when it's like talking about like man- manifestation, it's just essentially like kind of putting those thoughts in your head of something that like you could potentially do and potentially accomplish. It's not that you're creating it from the ground up and like this something just appears because you thought of it, but like to do anything, like before I'm even like saying the sentence, I'm think like I have the thought of speaking, right? So like, yeah. You, your thoughts make everything real for you. Um, so yeah, the visualization is definitely real. I've even heard heard of studies of people like getting better at like a skill because they just sit there and think about it, right? If you can think about doing it, you can think about how to like to mm-hmm. wire those patterns and like have, and have like a physical payoff um, from visualization. The, the brain, the brain part of it is is like what excites me the most in, in athletics and the, the studies they're doing with like just just brain exhaustion, you know. Mm. How, how much it plays off of your, how your body works. Like, so your brain actually gets tired. Um, so I think just having all these things we're talking about to, to keep the brain firing and, 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 and awake in those moments where it's just, not, it's not going to get so fatigued and your body can maximize its, its output. Um, it's something you definitely want to be, be ready for because it is going to hurt. If you've never, done, I mean, I remember the first marathon I ever did. I, I couldn't believe it was, and I've done some pretty, pretty intense training over the years, and I've done, I've run some pretty hard races, and I think the last three miles of my first marathon was pro- maybe one of the hardest things I've ever done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> I was in the same boat. I, I, I bonked so hard at like eighteen, and it was just like cramp city, and, and no amount of visualizations or mantra was <laughs> uh, bringing your boy back from <laughs> from what he put himself through there. Couldn't believe it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, obviously the execution of a plan. Um, and nutrition is another thing. Like in those late parts, you mentioned your brain gets tired. Your brain, uh, runs off the same energy that your muscles w- would run off of, which 
is glucosa making sure and like being properly fueled in those later miles will help with physically your, your muscles firing and also the amount that you can keep it together up top. Um, cause you're, you're just like really feeding it essentially. Yep. Um, cool. So, um, kind of piggybacking off of kind of where we were going before we were, uh, rudely interrupted, um, is a matter of kind of off season training. And, uh, Kathy asks, um, about going back to essentially group fitness classes. She, she's big on CrossFit and, and lifting weights. And um, she wants to know like, where is there, like, is there a place for that in like off season training? So um, she specifically uses CrossFit. Uh, we can use all the other things like you mentioned, Orange Theory Fitness, like the high intensity fitness classes, whatever that is, flywheel, whatever you like. Um, so what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I don't know if it, this is even in there because we got cut off, but, but I, I was actually... Um, Talking about how this the it, there's two two sides of this right so so there's the one person who comes to me and says I don't care what I have to give up I don't care what it is that I have to do I want to be the best runner that I can be um, with you know what God gave me so what what should I do and and, and that plan is going to be ninety five percent running um, and and, and for, for the lack of I mean whatever that number is but my point is is going to be mostly running right we were going to try to be the best runner we can be we're going to be looking at the running um, even more so in the last uh, you know ten years as marathoning has gotten more popular and and other things have gotten more popular whether it be like you said Orange Theory Fitness some of these hit classes some of these other you know yoga all these other things people are doing a lot of different things. I actually have to really understand how important that is to you as a person and how that makes you feel on a daily basis. Um, cause most people are not coming to me and saying, I don't care what I have to give up. I don't, they're not that person. Right. Um, so there's, there's going to be this mesh of these things. And, and a lot of times what you, what I'll find is, is that they, they, these things are so important to them. They don't want to give them up. Um, you know, so I'll, and they shouldn't because it, it's a part of it's like, like at the end, like at the end of the day, we, we we're supposed to be happy. We, we want to be having a good time. And we, and, and many times we know we're not going to be, what is it? Jerry Seinfeld said, Oh, the New York city marathon, 40,000 lose uh, uh, one Kenyan runner, one Euro, Eastern European woman and, uh, and 40,000 losers. You know, <laughs> there's a lot of losers when it comes to the New York city marathon and not all of us are looking to try and win it. So it, it's it, at the end of the day, we want to try to, um, you know, look at how important it is to you. Some of the, how important some of these other things are to you. And a lot of times after the marathon's done though, those things that they really, really like, they go back to those things and they, they do them full force. And sometimes the running falls off. And the reason why this, this, this is important is that, you know, we are going to force, we're going to go fall back into these things. that are comfortable to us. Mm. And a lot of times those things that are comfortable to us are the things that we're good at. Right. You know, and that just goes back to what we we're saying. And so I think looking at some of these comfort zone areas and if we truly want to become a better runner, um, I'm probably not going to tell you to do more CrossFit. Um, it, but, you know, and, and people, some people are like, oh, what do you, I can't give up my CrossFit. I'm not saying you should give it up, but you need to understand, you need to find that happy medium. Like how much do I, how much do I want to become a better runner and weigh it up against how much do I love CrossFit? Um, you know, and, and it's the beauty of CrossFit is, is like, it's not gonna, I mean, it's still, you're still moving, right. And you're still, you're still building endurance and you're still doing some of these things. So it's not like if your favorite thing was like sitting on the couch watching and binge watching Netflix, 
you know, it's a big issue. Yeah. <laughs> Not that mm-hmm. I, I don't advocate binge watching on Netflix, but. Um, you're sa- are you saying you don't like Netflix? That's it. I can't listen to this guy. <laughs> no, well, I, I will know. So I've already, I've binge watched the entire thing. So I just, I can't. You, you're it. out. I have, nothing, I have nothing left to watch. <laughs> we, need, we need more content. Um, um, so yeah, so I think that just really like under, you know, it's not just about us getting faster. It's, it's just, there's the, there's a big picture here. Like what, what is really important to us? How important is to it? Is it to us? And how important are all the other things in our lives? And are we willing to give them up? And if we are willing to give them up, what should we be doing? What can we be doing to actually improve upon these things that are more important? Um, so yeah, it's not an easy thing to, to, to come to the conclusion of, I, I understand, but and and yeah, like like you mentioned, if it's like it's like oh, can I do cross? It's like no. It's like you need to run all the time. It's like well, I don't like it, and you won't do it as much, and you won't enjoy you won't enjoy it. So you won't ultimately get better. So like CrossFit is better than hating running every day. Um, yeah, right. So like and those are the thing that's essentially and and that's kind of the deal when it like when it comes time to sharpen up because that's essentially um, what Kathy's talking about. It's like it's time to get race ready and like there's ways to get better when it comes to doing your race and it's not CrossFit. Um, yeah. And for her, like her, her best running performance might include a lot of CrossFit because like it makes her happy. And then, sure. and then when she is running, she's happy. Right. You know, right. So like, and there might be that tolerance level of the amount of running she's able to do where she just starts to hate it. And then it kind of, you, you know what I'm saying? So there, there, it's not just like what's making you better. It's like how you're mentally rat, you know, like attacking these things and, and, you know, you know, beer is, is a perfect example. I, I have this like friend, we used to talk about this all the time. It's like, oh, you know, I want to be the best runner I can be. I'm going to cut out beer completely and have a terrible season. Because, you know, at the end of the day, like a couple beers a week makes me happy. <laughs> right. You know? like, so, <laughs> and you're just so, miserable twice. You run shitty and you don't even get to have a six pack on the weekend, you know. But like, and I think that is a, you know, it's a silly example, but it's true. Like you don't want to you don't want to cut these things out just for the sake of like trying to achieve something. And then at the end of the day, it's a net negative because like, you're not really like, you know, looking at the big picture. Yeah. And I agree. And um, just some, from like a practical standpoint, when it comes to something like CrossFit or high intensity, um, like group fitness class, uh, if that is something that you're going to do and you still want to continue to run, I would use the, uh, CrossFit and the um, classes as more like of your quality work for the week and just surround it with yeah. some like easier runs. So if you still want to do it and still see about getting better at running, like don't, don't do CrossFit then on Tuesday, then on Wednesday, do 400s, then do CrossFit on Thursday and then do speed work on, on Friday. Um, just make it your quality stuff. Act like it is your, um, yeah. And, and then, and, for, and, and the same way that you would do speed work, like two, two times a week is enough. <laughs> when it comes to speed work, um, same with CrossFit, like CrossFit five times, a, five times a week, it is, then you're just going, uh, for the community and for the workout and to chase the, chase the sweat. Um, and listen, I love CrossFit. I'm, I'm a level one trainer. I've been doing it since like 2011. I was in a CrossFit gym yesterday, but there is uh, a difference between like doing it cause it's fun and doing it because it's beneficial. So, um, yeah. pick your spots, maybe like twice, three times a week at most with running around it from a real practical standpoint, but yeah, do it. And, and the goals are a big, I mean, I think that I can't say enough is maybe, you know, I, I'm almost always going to ask what, what's your goal? Like when someone asks me a question like this, like it all, it, you know, what are your goals? Like if, and if you don't have those long-term goals, 
I guess it's okay. You know, if you're just, if you're just, if your, your idea is just to have a good time, then that makes it e- the answer easy. It's like, do whatever you enjoy the most and just call it a day. But if you're, if you're, if, let's say your goal is the BQ and you're like 10 minutes off and in the off season, off season, you know, you're asking me what, what are some of the things I can do? You know, then we're going to have a little bit more of a complicated conversation as to like, you know, because of those goals. So sit down and be like, Hey, do I have goals? Do I want to have goals? You probably should have some sort of a, like a long-term if you're putting all this time in, but some are going to have more serious goals, more specific goals than others. But I think just sit, figuring out what those are. And I think you'll feel better about the decisions you're making on a daily basis if you have them. Um, and, and being honest with the goals, right? Like, yeah. it's like uh, to, okay, you want to be cute. Cool. Why? Like, why, what does that make? What is that going to accomplish? Like, what, like, what do you want to do with it? Like, or do you just want to participate in a bunch of races or do you just want to be around your friends and that makes you happy? Like, that's fine. They're all, there's no wrong goal, but, yeah. matter. but you need to be realistic with what it is. And, and that's hard. It, like, it's harder than it sounds like, oh, duh, just do what you, what makes you happy. But like, it's not always that clear. Yep. Um, and kind of like building a, a different, like we, we kind of touched on it a, a little bit, but um, this next question is about how to continue to build on the fitness that you've built because of, from running leading into a race and not like squandering it. Like, so how, how do you continue to build on your fitness after an A race um, and not lose that fitness? So I guess the example would be, would it, be like after downtime so like you take two weeks off um you don't have like a race that you have that, that is in the immediate future so you're not like running like race specific stuff like like ha- basically how do you keep your fitness <laughs> like without like in a practical way yeah so the answer th- the first part of that is is you can't keep your fitness at a pinnacle at a peak level for a long time. So there, there's, there is a timing aspect to training and, and the cycles and, and the way that your period, um, the, the periodization and all the, all the approach to it. So you are going to lose some fitness. So there's no way to keep it completely. Um, and it, the next goal is really going to dictate that too. So, so depending on what, what, again, go, going back to your goals. So like, if you, if you wanted to, if, if the, the idea is to run a fast marathon, you have to bring your fitness back in order to get it back higher. You just have to, cause you can't, you, the, the body isn't, it's just not capable of staying at that high level forever. Um, you know, they call it peaking sometimes and like figuring out a way to, to peak at the right time. Um, and a peak has an upside and a peak has a downside and it's just the way it's going to be. So I think it's timing those peaks, but also being at peace with understanding that like coming down the other side, um, you don't want to climb Everest and stay up there. Mm. <laughs> you know, you, you, you get back down and you find your next peak. Uh, Everest might be a bad example because it's probably as high as you're going to get. It, it, I mean, like, I don't know you if can't. it makes practical. I don't know if that's like, that. but, but the idea but, like, is like, you, need to, it. It you need to come down, you need to come down in order to get higher the next time. Um, you know, so, but I think just a, like a mate, a good maintenance plan is going to, is going to take care of that. So, you know, um, and, and just in looking at those goals, I mean, it could just, an example could be just something as easy as just, you know, if you're, if you're at your peak mileage, you're doing 50 miles a week, just, you know, build up to 25, um, and, you know, maintain, even if you, let's say you don't even have an idea of what your next goal is, you know, get yourself to like a moderate level of training, um, and, and keep it there. And you'll be surprised how much of that fitness 
you'll actually get back a lot faster. Don't let it fall off completely. That is definitely what you don't want to do. Mm. You know, you, you, if, there's a fine line between taking resting and taking off two months. You, you know, you, you're really going to kick yourself because you lo- you'll, you'll lose it fast and you have to work really, really hard to get it back. Um, so there's a fine line between rest and um, kind of getting yourself, keeping yourself in a maintenance kind of a period. Right. And, and I've actually heard this concept. I, I guess I just heard it called this essentially practicing. It was like a reverse taper. So like kind of taking the two weeks leading into your race and just kind of like doing them in reverse order to kind of help bring you back slowly mm-hmm. as opposed to just like taking two weeks yeah. off and then like either losing it or just like jumping back into where you were. Um, so it's just kind of like doing the, the cycle over, just kind of like resetting the cycle really. And I th- Again, like in a perfect world, you'd ha- like everyone would have a coach and everyone would have this long-term goal and it would be laid out and it would be re- very, very easy for me to tell you, Hey, look, this is what I want you to do over the next month. Um, because it, it's going to be tied into that goal and it's going to be tied into some of these, maybe doing some off season type training and then getting back into another race that we might be looking at on in, in another year, you know? So you like, so I think just having, having a plan is also part of it. For sure. And, and you made a good point. Like you can't expect to be in peak fitness. Um, but like you, you would be, you can be in like sub sub peak fitness, um, for a lot of the year, you know, and yeah. you kind of have to cycle those through. So really like, it's not realistic to be in the best shape because it is not just, it's not a linear progression until you are an Olympic champion. And there was, there was actually a question in there. Maybe this is a good time to, to hit on this about like burnout, mm-hmm. mental burnout too. I think that's also a big part of it is the mental exhaustion we were talking about and the mental burnout. Um, you know, and, and that's something that you, that is a very, I think is a very real thing and something to consider. And it also ties into the, the, the idea that you're not going to be able to keep that peak fitness because that peak fitness is going to be tied into this level of, of, of exertion and just intensity that you, I just don't think you're, you're going to be, you'll get better at it, but you don't think you're ever going to be able to keep it at a level that's going to keep you um, as close to um, a peak performance as you're going to want. Yeah, let's let's touch on that a little bit because to me, like, I'm not a great resource for this. I only can kind of go off of what I've read and what I've heard from others. Um, I guess I'm fortunate, but I never get sick of training. Like it, and I think a lot of it is just like the um, qualitative feeling that you have around running, and just like if it's like if you're excited to do it, or if it's like disdain, or if it becomes a chore. Like, I don't necessarily feel that way very often. Um, and I think that is a big part of how to um like stop the 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 burnout is to recognize those type of uh feelings and factors coming in um but what are some ways that you kind of have gone about doing that or or that you have uh helped people kind of avoid that like pit of despair when it comes to their training you know i i have to say like everybody's just different um I just, I just know for myself, I've had some really bad experiences with, and I I think, I think that the college running is a perfect example. It's unbelievably hard to go a whole whole year Mm, um, at that level. Yeah. I train because it go, it's one, it's one season right into the other, you know, and it's just, it's a, it's a long, long haul. Um, And that's one of the things that I actually look back on and I should have been better at managing it because, um, 
you know, I think well, we I, should, well, we did have a coach there who should have been helping with that. But, um, <laughs> yeah, you know how it's like, and, uh, and, and, and it was, it's, it's true. I mean, it is, I think just in the co- as coaches, they should recognize that, 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 you know, Oh wow. Last year, like we didn't have the greatest track season. Why, why, why was it? Like, and um, it, because it's not, and it's also when you're in college, you know, you have your friends Like you want to have a social yeah. side of your life. You want to have the your academic side of your life. It's not just about, there's things, so there has to be room for these other things too. So, and 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 the example is, is for you, Rich. It's a little different because, like, it's kind of your job to be fit, you know. And I don't mean that in a way that you know, like that, that it's your job, like you're a professional, you're getting paid for it. But like, you know, it's a little more your job than it is somebody else's who's like, you know, doing yeah. it as a side. You know what I mean? So like, and it's good for you, like, to be around it. And and I, and I get that. And and like, I you know, I I, I totally. But there's somebody else who, you know, has – everyone has a bandwidth, I guess. And some people's bandwidth is bigger than others. Um, and there's if there's all these other things that are taking up a ton of bandwidth, um, then it it's going to lend to this, right? So I don't think it's just the actual training. It's just life in general that's just going to totally. wear you down, you know? So just understanding that stuff and, and talking through it, like I, th- I think, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm pretty good at that is like just getting to know my athletes and just understanding like, Hey, what's going on? Like, you know, I start to notice the, the, you're, you know, I saw you did your run at like 3am. Like, what's up? You know, um, <laughs> you know, like just, just understanding. Like good work like, on getting it in being dedicated. <laughs> But, but maybe you could have skipped it. <laughs> um, so just, I think that that's a big part of it for sure. And like, there are f- some factors to look at just outside of um, straight up like overtraining, right? Like, cause there are other things aside from the training that you do have um, the ability to control. Like one is nutrition. Like look at the amount that you're fueling and, and how that affects your body and, and the specific macro- macronutrients. Like on, on my end, uh, if I, I know if I'm low on, fat intake, like it ruins, it really screws up my mood and it, um, hurts my sleep. Um, and I've been able to fix that with that and just being underfueled in general, like it, there is almost a, a change in my mood, um, when I'm properly fueled. Um, and then sleep is another one. Like, okay. Like y- you feel like you're beat down and overtraining, like you're training a lot. Like what, how are you recovering? Like, what is your sleep looking like? What are those, what, what, what kind of habits can you put in place, whether that is a, a nighttime routine or having, um, a, or tracking how much sleeping your sleep you're getting, which p- pretty much every single watch does now. Like it'll give you some sort of sleep metric. It's a bazillion percent, not accurate, like, but at least it's consistent and can give you a little bit of an idea of how well you are sleeping. Um, and then you mentioned the last one is stress, like, right. Like stress is stress, no matter if that comes from training or if that comes from work or if that comes from, uh, like family stuff or social stuff, like these are all things that also can contribute to that, like kind of burnout type of feeling. Um, and those are also things that you can address before you just look at and be like, I'm so sick of training. Like I need to, I need to stop. Um, yeah. because that could be it, but those things could also be, uh, alleviated with proper nutrition, uh, proper sleep and then some stress management and like the stress management one's like the hardest one. It's like, you can tell someone to like have a journaling practice or, or practice some mindfulness, but everyone's going to be a little bit different when it comes to that. Um, yeah, but those are there, but those are still things that were, are within your control that are not just stopping training. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, totally. And those are, those are, that's, that's the big, the, the, the um, biggest takeaway there is like sleep and nutrition and all these things. These are things that you do have, control over and unfortunately the stress lends to itself to those things being terrible um you know so I, 
you know, if you're stressed, you're not going to sleep. It can, it can actually hurt your sleep. Obviously. Um, if you're stressed, you, you might just eat terribly because people do stress eat. It's just, a, it's a thing. Yeah. Um, you know, there is a comfort in, in, in filling yourself up and that's just a, that's just a scientific, you know, that's proven. Um, so, you know, there's, there are these things that you have control over and just, I, I would address those things first, look at them and they, maybe they're perfect, you know? And I, I do think there is also a part of this that, that comes along with building up your tolerance to these things and getting better at them and, and looking at your past and saying, Hey, you'd be lucky enough to say, all right, well, I did a 20 week cycle and I was totally burnt out by week 16. Um, consider that and, and change it to, to, um, to 16 weeks and try that and, and look at, take note of it. I mean, if it's your first time at it, it's obviously not going to be um, an option. Um, but, um, you know, definitely if you've, if you've done it in the past and, and, and you, and you feel like you got, was, I think that person said maybe like the last two weeks, they start to get a little, um, I forget who it was. Uh, they, they start to, you know, don't want to get burned out or they want to try to avoid it. Yeah. How to stop um, it. Yeah. I don't know if there's any way to stop it. I don't know. It's hard because it's like a, it's kind of like this thing that is there, but doesn't really have a face, you know? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and that's where you do need to be in tune with what that emotionally feels like. Um, physically, you'll know, like you just end up getting hurt, but it's the same deal as when it comes to like the peaking for fitness, like you need to control the factors around you to, to rise with the training. Um, so like if you are in a 16 week build and by week 12, you're, um, you're, you're feeling burnt out. It's because you're at your peak mileage weeks. And like, if you're living your life the same way that you were when you were building at less miles and you didn't take care of more sleep, more nutrition, like that's probably the answer. Um, and, and, and instead of like, you're expending more, you're sleeping the same, you're eating the same. So like you're have less energy on, on, on both accounts. Yeah. Um, so unless like, you know, unless you're like, listen, I sleep 10 hours a night. I, I know every calorie that comes in my mouth and every calorie that I am expending and, um, I'm chilling all the time. I feel great. But then like, then maybe you're training too much. <laughs> then, then that's maybe where you can draw that line. But, yeah. So maybe like write some things down or take note of certain things or just, you know, look, look at some of these things we're talking about and, and try to, um, because they maybe a lot of these things are happening. You're getting terrible sleep. You don't realize it. You're eating, not eating well. Like take an inventory of all these things, and then and then you know reevaluate. You can track literally everything with the phone that's in your pocket. Yeah. Everything that you can like, you can how much you can journal in your phone. You could like yeah, meditate from your phone. You can, that, yeah. <laughs> there is so um, all those outside factors that you can you can um, control uh, should be addressed before you really are like, all right, this training is killing me. Um, cool. So some of the other questions are going to kind of, I don't think we're gonna have time to, to finish those up, but a lot of them are kind of like nutrition related. And I think that that's kind of a big topic that we can take on a different time. Um, yeah. and so we'll just finish up with one more cause it is kind of back to the training and, and it's, this is, uh, from Amy who wants to know how, how to get faster, right? Like it's everybody's question. So, um, she's been committed to to obstacle course racing. And a lot of times these obstacle course racers find themselves to a point like, all right, like I can do the obstacles. It's fun, but like, I just can't keep up in between. Um, so her question is like how to find a good balance between running distance, doing speed work and doing longer tempos. Um, if she like wants to see better results. So basically this is a question of how to balance your training 
Um, just the running. Just the running. Yeah. Yeah. It, <laughs> it's, that's a tough one because it's essentially what we do. Um, and I do think the hardest part about that question is there is no answer to it. Um, and what I mean by that is, is that it, everybody is going to be different. I know that's a lame part of it, but it is part of it. And the second part of it is, um, everybody's different in the way that they're going to respond differently to different loads of all the different types of training. Um, the perfect example is there's some marathoners who are doing 125 miles a week. And there's actually some very, very like world record holding marathoners that don't do it, haven't done it, or maybe not world record holders. I don't even know, but I know that there, there is a wide range of like that world-class marathoner who's doing anywhere from like 85 miles a week to 125 miles a week. And that's just, and I can guarantee you that the person who's, who's doing 85 has tried 125, right? you know, and they've, they've just either getting injured, just didn't see the response they were getting. And that person might be doing more quality than quantity. Um, and on the other hand, that person maybe um, who does the 125 miles a week tried more quality and it just didn't work for them. Um, and they broke down and, you know, they saw that the, the, um, the, the, the volume was where it was at for them. So I think that um, I would um, look at um, – I like to do six weeks, like tests almost, you know, mm. like six to eight weeks or just, or test yourself. Like, and so if you're trying to, like, let's say, look, the 5k is the perfect race. Like, let's, let's look at the 5k. Let's try to get faster at the 5k. All right. So in eight weeks, we're going to race the 5k over this, this time period. We're going to, we're going to do some more. We're going to do. Some... All right. One last time for this, uh. Sorry if there's a, a little bit of breakup in the audio there. We had a little bit of a technical, uh, another t- technical snafu. But I, I, I was. But that's fine. We're I, back. I wanted to talk about we... the, uh, the 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 question about, and we were hitting on the question about um, the the ty- the amounts of training and the ty- uh, the amounts of the types of running, whether it be threshold or interval type training and easy training, and just like the the, the amounts you should be doing to try to improve. And, and really what it comes down to is, is you really need to find a way to see, uh, you know, you're, 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 everybody's going to be different. Everybody's going to respond differently to different, different types of volume. And you need to find a way to kind of test how you're responding to um, those different levels. Like, and, and, and the perfect, the example I was using before was the 5k and, and maybe run race the 5k, um, a little harder with the marathon because obviously you can't just race a marathon every, every eight weeks, but, but the, the 5k is a nice distance because it's long enough where you, you can see endurance, but you can also see speed and you, you basically do use different levels and see how you respond and see how, um, how, how you feel and how much faster you're getting by tweaking those different levels, whether it be the really fast 200s and 400s mixed with the threshold type work. Um, and easy running and even volumes and, um, and just try to try to work that work, work different levels and see how you, how you're responding. Um, that's really going to be the best way because there really is no like test or really no way of knowing until you really start to get into this and start to, um, so that's what I would do with someone. And that's really why I want someone to work with me more than just the 16 weeks, because, um, a lot of the people you'll see who are going to have success, they're going to be like, like, um, I know I can think off the top of my head, a few people that made a commitment, a year long commitment. And one in particular 
she decided that she wanted to get faster than marathon and their coach decided that, Hey, look, you know, you're, you're, you can run all day long, but like, you're just, you're just not fast. So let's, let's get that 5k time down, down. And she just be queued for, she PR'd by like 20 minutes. Um, nice. And it's just, it does like it really does work you just need to find what these limiters are work on them and it kind of does go back to the limiters is like you know typically those things that that you you're going to want to work more on are the things you're probably not as strong with um so if you know what those things are already just work harder on them but like you know um try to find ways to, to, to isolate them um and so like say someone's just bringing in speed works uh how if they're running like five times a week would you say like two speed sessions a week would be good or, or just one. What, how do you kind of balance well, you that? Want, if it, I would start with one. Um, and yeah. then it also depends on what the volume of, of like, so if you, you know, five, the, the problem with five days a week, it was not a problem, but like you can only do so much running. So like the volume is only going to get so high. Um, you know, so that, that factor is going to be a little bit, a little bit harder to work in. Um, so if you, if like in a cycle, you want to say, Hey, look, I want to run a little bit more than I have in the past. Um, and then maybe like pull back the, the inner, like the intervals will be what they are. Right. So, um, and then see how you feel. And then if, if in the the next cycle, you want to try more interval volume or like more quality volume, you might want to add in a second day to kind of get that in there. Um, because you're probably essentially maybe almost maybe doing a more like a longer ish run too. So that makes three hard efforts inside of five days, which mm. you know, is kind of pushing the limit a little bit, but you do have those days and also depends on what you're doing on those days off. If you're, if you're hit, hitting, if you are chilling or if you're going across. Yeah. 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 Cause that, that's, that's again, like the, those type of classes won't be rest, but if you're resting, yeah, I'm assuming that you're resting like you're, you're yeah. yeah. Um, if you're resting, yeah, it might, might not be a, a bad bet. And that's another thing to really to really notice. And, and one thing that we've talked about before, and I know we preach a lot, is that making sure that your easy runs are actually easy and being able to hit the speed workout hard enough that like you want to take an easy day. Because if you're just kind of like in that gray area where every day is like a little bit hard, but the hard days are never super hard and the easy days are never super easy, like then you're not balancing it. Yeah. It should literally be like a high and a low. You'll get worse. That's what's crazy about it. what people don't realize is, is like, if you go out and you run 40 miles a week at the same pace every day at a certain point, you're, you're actually going to, you're, you're going to get slower. Definitely. You'll get, you'll get better in, in like a couple for a couple weeks, but then you will yeah, yeah, 100%. You'll, you'll level off and you'll slightly start to taper off because your body just basically settles in. Um, yeah. And it, I think just that that's a, that's just a, it's, it's one of those, it's not necessarily, it's a, it's an extreme example, but you know, you, if you do get settled into just running or doing the same thing all the time, and that's just like what you feel comfortable doing, um, at a certain point it starts to work against you a little bit. Yeah. So if you aren't able to, if you don't, honestly, if you don't feel like shit after a long run after, I'm sorry, like a hard run, like at least a little bit, um, and wanting to go easy, then like you probably didn't go hard enough. And that's probably because you were too tired to go hard enough. And it's just like the cycle that continues. So like executing speed when it's speed, um, will make you want to take easy days easy. Um, and we'll make it easier to. Yeah. And, and if you feel that the fresh like that, maybe you're not doing enough. Some people will use mm-hmm. like 80, 20. That's a real popular thing right now. Um, that thing to me is just like, what training is and the dude just like yeah. coined it and like wrote a book like, you, like well yeah again yeah it is because like at the end of the day 
if you wrote a, if you were just like writing a plan and it's probably going to come out to be 80, 20 anyway, it's always half. Yeah. That's you know, like, what it is. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, that's, that's fair, but you know, but I think it also speaks to the fact that a lot of people aren't doing, if it convinces more people to do some of the 20 when they weren't doing it at all. I, I know this for a fact that most runners are not doing interval training most and yeah. just a little bit you throw in, you're going to see huge, huge improvements um, just right off the bat. Uh, right. So chances yeah. are most people aren't doing it anyway. So <laughs> this is kind of a moot point. Um, but- right. Right. It's like, hey, I got this awesome thing that keeps you warm in the wintertime. We're calling it a jacket. It's like, oh, I never wore a jacket in the wintertime. Maybe I should do that. It's like, wow, this yeah. thing fucking works. <laughs> it's like, well, it's already been there. Didn't it? But yeah, executing the speed work is the the main thing, making sure you're hitting hard. And, and executing it isn't just on that workout itself. It is the days leading up to, and it's the days after the speed work is really how you execute the speed work. So um, got to make sure you take it easy. Yeah, and do it. Like how many times, how many people that are listening right now went, have like, Oh, today my program says I should go out and do this. But like, and I was feeling pretty comfortable and I didn't feel like running hard. So I just ended up doing a run. You know? Yeah. Like in that, yeah, I think a I, run moderately hard. Yeah. Or like, I kind of, yeah, I kind of picked it up for a little bit, but yeah, you know, and, those are head scratchers to me. I'm like, wait, so like you just, and then I'm like, did I just not explain this? Which could be the way, like <laughs> <laughs> maybe I just didn't. Well, even no, but it's, but it's different if like, it's a little bit different if they have the answer to me. But if they just have like their, their, you know, Hanson's book and it says they're supposed to do like four miles at marathon training pace or whatever tempo tra- training pace, you know, it's a little bit different. They're just like, ah, oh, you know, whatever. Like, I, just, I just feel good. I got to run in, you know, or, or like it, it's, it's, it's super easy when you're just to just blow it off. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, well, cool. So that's as many questions as we could get to today. So that will wrap us up. John, you got anything else for us? No, we'll get to the nutrition. We're going to bring a nutritionist and we'll bring a nutritionist in here and just do some, or, or, or even maybe just do it ourselves and just dive heavily into the, you know, the nutrition portion of it. Cause I know there were some questions there, but yeah, um, I'm fired up for the, some, for some nutrition chat. Um, cool. Yeah. So that'll wrap us up. Um, again, a reminder, this podcast this reinforced episode of reinforced running podcast has brought to you by reinforcedrunning.com <laughs> and rich rich underscore no wait reinforced underscore running and, underscore rich thank you to our sponsors betters. i was thinking like Dude, luckily, i got I, some of that i, <laughs> I was thinking I, like I, there, there was almost like we should have like broke into last for that for brian's um podcast we could have said oh and this podcast is brought to you by squirrel mud butters dude i have some it worked because <laughs> right. i, I had those it? crazy um, like the day after he told where? me about no, it, I was, CVS, Walgreens. Oh uh, no, just um, uh, uh, Amazon. Okay. Um, where people buy stuff, John. Um, <laughs> I shop. Yeah, local. like the, if he. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is there anything local in Florida? Everything is the local strip mall, the local Target. Um, <laughs> the uh, yeah, the day after, like as soon as Brian told me, I was like, well, if it's good enough for Brian. <laughs> like that dude exactly. knows something about chafing. Like I'll be, I'll be, I'll be good on this. It's, it's put to the test there for sure. Yeah, if you missed the episode with Brian Reynolds, go back and listen. It's episode what something are we on? We less than this. I think this is 26. They're numbered, but I just don't look at them. I think this is 25 or 26. All right. That's great. Quarter century. Um, sweet, dude. All right. Well, we'll yeah. talk to you guys soon. All right. Thanks, everyone.